Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and lived the lives they deserve. Because of that, founders live lives of abundance, freedom, and creativity. That's what I'm really all about. Hello, my name is Aziz and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa with no opportunities, just sheer hard work, to failing multiple startups yet learning a whole lot, to barely escaping alive the war in Ukraine, even living as an illegal immigrant. I've lost everything twice and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day, sharing the wisdom of luminaries I've interviewed on this podcast, from Google executives to Amazon, Microsoft, Forbes Technology Council, Harvard, Goldman Sachs, Financial Times, and even a priest from the Vatican Church. Everyone is welcome here. So let's begin. My guest today is Grant Shadek. Grant is a co-founder of Tela, a new kind of screen recording. Uh, a new kind. <clears throat> Grant is a co-founder of Tela, a new kind of screen recorder helping people make better videos at work. Tela provides screen and camera recording for making an impression. It's fully customizable, instantly shareable all in your browser. Grant, how are you today? Doing great, thanks. How about yourself? I'm feeling lucky, happy, optimistic, and ready to speak to you today. So to begin, what's the backstory of Tela? How did the idea come to be? And how was it to meet or work with your co-founder? How was that the start of everything? Yeah, so the the backstory of Tela is that my co-founder and I we uh, we'd been before we started Teller, we'd been working together for a, a few years on different projects. And the idea for Teller came when we were both working at a company called Envision, which is a a big remote company, uh, which is not particularly special these days. Most companies now are in some form embracing or dealing with remote work. But we were working at Envision before the pandemic and before remote work was kind of a, a norm. Um, and for us, this was the first company that we'd worked at that was fully remote. So there was a lot of fascinating um, practices that that was, we sort of saw there as people who'd never worked remotely before. But the one that caught our eye the most was this idea of asynchronous communication. So where instead of people having to communicate uh, live in real time, for example, on a call uh, or a video call, uh, you could communicate with people in your own time and they could uh, process and read or watch your communication in their own time. And um, the uh, the part of it that, that interests us the most was this idea of being able to share videos um, with the, your team or the rest of the organization. And Envision had this interesting practice where they sort of mandated that the product teams make videos about what they're working on and share it in a shared Slack channel. And then the rest of the organization can tune in in their own time 
and watch all these fun, interesting videos about what the product team is up to. And um, to us, that just seemed like such a cool idea. And, uh, and we sort of dug into that whole space, this idea of making videos about your work and sharing it with other people. We dug into that some more and, and that's kind of where um, the start of, uh, of the Teller idea came from. I love this. We're gonna discuss Teller a lot as well, but I want to begin with you. Moving from being an employee where somehow your check feels at least to be certain that you you know how much you're earning at the end of the month to be in a startup co-founder where you have to hunt in order to eat, where there is a lot of uncertainty. It's a totally different lifestyle. How was it? What makes you ready for it? What's about your personality that would make either one of them a better fit. Yeah, I mean, I, I was not, uh, you hear a lot about these entrepreneurs and founders and makers who kind of have that in them from uh, the very beginning. You know, they they quit, they quit school or they drop out of university or right, right away after college or something, they decide to be an entrepreneur. Uh, that was not what I did. I just went and got a job and then got another job and then got another job uh, until I finally... Um, I don't know, got, understood technology and, 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 and how to build stuff and, and met the right people that were also thinking like that. Um, so, so to me, it was, it was an it was, it felt like an opportunity. The first time my co-founder and I went and kind of did our own thing was just that, um, another co-founder had this interesting idea and, uh, the three of us thought we could do it. So we, quit our jobs and, and gave it a go. And, and at the time we sort of had some security having worked full-time jobs for a long time. So it, it wasn't a, a crazy leap. Um, and I, I mean, what, 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 uh, what, uh, what allows me to do this? I mean, yeah, you have to, you have to be willing to, to, to walk into some uncertainty. And for some people that's, that's harder than others. I've just been lucky that, um, you know, I've, I've not had to, to go to, you know, really, really from, from something to, to completely nothing. And that's just, that's just a fortune that I'm grateful for. Um, but I think the other thing is, is having people around you that support you on that, that process, even just from a personal side of things. So as long as you've got friends that you can kind of complain to and, and cry to and, and, and loved ones that you can do that as well, it makes, you know, whatever challenges come your way, um, uh, trying to, to do things solo, it makes it uh, a bunch easier. Thank you. And while building your company, did you spend time learning about entrepreneurship, about business, about all that? Or did you use your skills and just common sense and logic in order to create your plans, your strategies, etc.? Yeah, so at university, I studied um, what what is called in New Zealand commerce, which is basically business or business school or something. Uh, but entrepreneurship was not something that I was interested in. I was studying business so that I could go and work in business somewhere. Uh, so I was not particularly interested in, in, in that then. Um, but after working a couple of like regular jobs, I guess the idea of doing your own thing was, became more appealing. And, uh, it was then that I started reading and learning more about, you know, startups and technology and running a business and, and innovation. 
So I did, I was for a little while, a real like business book, tech book nerd, where I would read a lot of the the big tech books you'd seen. I, I barely ever read, like when I was younger, I never read anything. I was the worst reader, uh, non, you know, fiction, nonfiction. I just wouldn't read anything until I decided to, to get into entrepreneurship. But then I sort of read uh, all these typical business books. Um, so I, I did that for a while. And then I think by the time I, I took the the plunge to go and start something, um, I'd cut back on my business book reading and and felt like I had some grasp of, of what to do and, and then have just kind of taken it from there with learning on the go. Thank you. And when it comes to Tala and you told me the backstory, what do you believe or feel makes it unique while there could be other alternatives or options for people to use? Yeah, I think this is a this will be different for every founder or, or maker, uh, depending on their product and their industry. Um, the way that we think about it at Teller, which you know we're we're in a competitive space, but not a not a crazy competitive space. I think I think it's going to get more competitive. But the idea of screen screen recording and making videos at work is something that's becoming more and more um, uh, familiar to people, and the the biggest incumbent in the space is is loom which i'm sure a few of your listeners will will have heard of or or even be customers of um and and the 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 the, the comfort we get out of of competing with them is you know loom focused on um this idea of making it as easy as possible as as efficient as possible as simple as possible to record your screening camera and send that to somebody to communicate whatever you need to. So they focused really hard on, on making that whole process as, 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 as delightful as possible for people. And they did a really good job of that. Um, what we try and do is we try and, you know, you know, reach a, a, a level of a parity um, on that degree, but then try and work out how do you make that medium more of a creative medium? Like, we sort of see the screen and camera recording as its own format, its own mode of communication that's going to become quite distinct in the in the ways that we communicate at work. I think it'll really be a primary way for people to, uh, you know, to, to to communicate and work remotely. Uh, in the same way that a video call. Right now, a video call is like a a standard way for people to communicate and share information at work. And we think that a a screen and camera recording will will be uh, as as important, if not more, uh, in the future, and so we we take that idea, this idea of a screen and camera recording, and are now trying to 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 give people a set of creative tools around that, uh, and that's been our starting point from the beginning. So, um, the use cases that we do better on, the, the the features that we build, the way we market ourselves is really all about trying to appeal to people who want uh, more of an expressive. Um, set of tools and expressive medium to to communicate like this and, and make videos like this whereas loom and a lot of the other people in in the space they focus on efficiency and 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 speed and and that's fine and we let them do that we're gonna we're gonna be the ones that that turn it into a, a more expressive fun tool to use thank you and what caught my attention is the notion of asynchronous communication and use Intella for that because for some reason, being connected is not only unproductive and distracting, but it leads to a kind of burnout where at the end of the day, you totally feel drained because of answering messages quickly and all that. So how, because 
okay, you worked in a company before that was remote or hybrid at least, way before this was a thing. So tell me about that. What did you learn from that company and how it was managed that helps you think about the future of Tela as a tool for people not to be present at the same time, yet connect and uh, understand each other without there needing to be this instant messaging, urgent response need? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky one because you know there's 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 so many kind of like primary urges when it comes to communication when you know you are someone reaching out to someone being like hey can you give me an answer to this or or like take a look at this you know and there's an expectation that people are, are always online and available uh, so th- there's some this it's definitely a tricky space to operate in um, certainly the the particular thing that we saw um, back at Envision when it came to asynchronous communication or asynchronous video at least was this idea of um, the 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 better the video the the better the result uh, and this comes back to like why we focus on making it a creative and expressive medium um, there were like a handful of people uh, back at the company who really put a lot of effort into their videos. They really tried to make funny videos, um, well-made videos. They put a lot of time into them, uh, arguably too much time. But the end result was they made something that people really looked forward to and engaged with and and reacted to and laughed at. Um, and the, it, it meant that there was a lot of hype around, you know, what these people were working on and making and, and just simply the, the video. Um, which is which is unique to to be able to kind of create that experience in the workplace. Workplace communication is usually so dull and uh, boring and and kind of um, you know you have to follow a, a process and this you know certain tools that you can use. Um, whereas you know you can be in an office with someone and um, you know there pe- people people can be funny and tell stories and 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 create you know a bit of a, an atmosphere and we wanted to be able to give we want to be able to give people the tools to do that when they're making their own video so i guess our insight is that if we can provide simple tools for people to be able to um, express themselves and tell stories and um, share interesting and entertaining things the the quality of the communication will get better and and the engagement from from other people will get better and we see that same pattern kind of exist inside organizations but also outside organizations so if you are a creator or a freelancer or you run a, a small business there are similar interactions with your teammates or your customers or your audience where the same principles apply um and and that's what we're interested in in trying to solve is how can we make it easy for people to express themselves without having to learn how to be a video editor. We can just give you the kind of tools that you can use in a work context that um, make that possible. Thank you. So are you saying that an unintended consequence, a use case for Tela is people use it, uh, using it as a cool and fun editing software for small videos? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, people, people use us quite practically for 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 simple things like look here's how you do x uh and then people will will take that further and and make make something that's that's quite humorous and fun and spend some time on it um so yeah there's definitely people who who invest more time and and to create um funnier interesting uh, and entertaining things thank you and as a co as a co-founder and someone in the entrepreneurship space, are you aiming to make this more of a lifestyle business where you keep your team small so that you don't need to manage people? 
or do you have plans if you can scale to expand, to have teams to manage? And what is your perspective on being a manager, a leader, and be having many people under your supervision and responsibility? Yeah, the, the, the ambition is for this to get as, as big as it possibly can. Uh, we know that um, we know that the space has the potential, and um, that's what we're excited to be able to do. So um, yeah, we, we want this to be big. Um, Tell is very small at the moment. Um, but that's been uh, partly by design and 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 circumstance. Uh, but you know, we uh, we expect uh, things to to grow. My, I, me and my co-founder are both fans of of keeping things uh, small and trying to create a team of people who can uh, deliver as as much as possible individually and and add as much value as possible. Um, and that's that's the kind of team that we'll want to build. In terms of managing bigger teams, like obviously that that will be something that we we hope. I mean, hopefully that's something that we get to do. Um, the way that I think about uh, leadership and management is probably comes down to by example. Um, like I'm I'm a I am inspired by leaders who are people who can lead by example and know how to get their hands dirty and get stuff done and and uh, set that example. I'm, I'm not so much a fan of, of people who are, are just kind of management by 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 trade and and operate like that. I, I think that um, good leaders are people who can who can set the right example, and that's kind of the, that's the kind of thing that I would like to do, and hope that we can build a, a company and a culture where where um, the leaders can operate like that too. Thank you. That's really interesting, and so I have to ask you a lot of founders really, really hate the idea of having people that they're responsible for their work, that they will need to, you know, basically manage manage them. I know you said it's management by example, but still you have to make sure that people do their work and finish it and all that. What about you? What beliefs or perspectives do you have that makes you excited about doing that compared to a lot of founders who prefer to be alone or just with a co-founder and never ever need to deal with additional team members? Yeah, I mean, there's, I can understand that there's a, there's an attraction to keeping things small and intimate or close and intimate so that you can stay in a, in a comfort zone. But I think inevitably, you know, all uh, big companies and, and leaders of big companies have to have to move out of that. The sort of experience that I turned to, often, you know, doing it when thinking about this is is when I was younger, I played a lot of rugby, which is a big sport in New Zealand. And, um, uh, you know, working in a rugby team, everyone has different roles and, and there are leaders. Uh, there's the captain of the team. There are the sort of senior players and the backs and the forwards. Um, I was the captain of, of my team for for a while and sort of got a taste of, of what it means to lead a sports team there. And in that environment, you can't just uh, lead or manage by not doing. You you are the leader and the manager, but you have to be doing as well. And uh, to to sort of motivate your team, I mean, I, certainly the 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 captains that I played under there were there was nothing more motivating than seeing the captain as as one of the best players on the team or the one setting the example so i think that transfers into into work as well thank you this is really really fascinating and then i will ask you another thing related which is a lot of founders especially in the no code community spend all their time 
uh, coding or building their tools and all that, and therefore they don't meet potential co-founders or people who help them scale or team members. How, like, did you develop your connection or friendship at work with your co-founders so that you're doing enough projects together where you trust each other? Was it a conscious decision or just chemistry of the moment and friendship? As well as how important do you think networking should be for any co-founder? Is it more important to focus on your product or on knowing people, meeting people, having people who could open doors for you? What's your perspective on this? Yeah, so I'll um, I'll start with the co-founder one and then get to the, the sort of, you know, network versus focus thing. Um, I think the Again, I'm only I'm only talking I'm only answering from the example of one because I've only had one one co-founder, um, and I think our relationship works because of three factors: um, uh, chem- yeah, chemistry and friendship. Like we we are friends and we get along outside of and, and got along before we ever did any projects uh, together. Um, uh, time, you know, we have worked together since we have worked together in some form. Uh, be it in companies or projects or whatever, since 2015. Uh, so we've we've known each other for a long time and and you know worked in various capacities together. Um, so there's there's a deep sort of understanding of each each other and and what we can do and how we work. Um, and I think within that there's some complement complementary skills there. Michiel, my co-founder, is an incredible engineer and engineering leader. Um, he can he can build some insane stuff and he knows how to lead teams, engineering teams uh, really well as well. Uh, and I know how to design stuff I, and I know how to sort of talk to people and, and kind of be the outward facing uh, side of the, the the product or the organization. And then um, I think the third thing is personality. Uh, we have personalities that can kind of fit together and we understand one another um, and can deal with one another when things get tough and they obviously get tough and and that's just something that you you have to be prepared for and i think if you can if you can be working with someone that you you know as a personality there's some um cohesion or or um you know it's complementary that that'll make things uh, a lot easier i think if i had a co-founder who was like a mirror image of my personality it would be more difficult and uh, i think a lot of people would would probably uh, I imagine a lot of people would would face a similar thing where you're kind of clashing with something that is kind of the exact same as you. If if there's some difference there, it means that there's a a better fit in terms of being a team. When it comes to I don't know, yeah, finding a co-founder and, and focus, I would say that focus on your product is the more important thing, uh, and and focus on your product uh, stretches beyond just building the thing, but focus on your product in terms of who's using it the users, the customers, and and how you reach them, that plus actually building the product, those two things I think should be the, the first priority because that's that's the core. Um, but you can't ignore the uh, effect or result of, of a network and and staying connected and meeting people who may not be your your user or customer. Uh, but you know the, you know the relationship can can help. There's been lots of situations where we've made significant progress or opened up doors and opportunities through people we know and relationships that we've had. So um, whether you are purposeful about it, where you sort of go to networking events, or you are just someone who stays present in, in communities um, 
to a sufficient degree, I think you do need to do a bit of that. But focusing on the product and your customers and users, that that should still be the the main focus. Thank you. And then also to know another thing, since you're the one facing the people, getting to know the customers and all that, a lot of founders struggle with adding too many features and then uh, some of them the users don't really care about and all that. How do you decide strategically, since you don't have unlimited time and resources, which features maybe people don't even know they want that maybe you will let them see the value of it and which features should be in the someday or never or maybe category so that uh, although they will look cool and be good, it's not time for them yet or they're not a priority. I think the the the, the certainly the attitude that we tr we take um, is just try and build it as quick as you can. Uh, there's no better prototype or like proof that um, something can work or could work or does work than it actually being a real part of the product and people using it. Um, and that's that's really how we how we do things. Um, we if we have an idea and we're excited by it and we can see some potential, we don't do too much planning. We just uh, get it designed, get it shipped as quick as we can, and see how people use it. Uh, and if it if it doesn't work as well, then uh, you know we, we we might deprecate it or get rid of it or try and improve it. Um, and that's that's really how we we try and do things. Uh, this obviously doesn't work for, for every team and every person. Um, but uh, it's it's it works enough for us, and, and and we like doing that. Like that, to us, this is fun. We don't enjoy the idea of like uh, a lot of planning and validation when it doesn't come to the actual real thing, where truly the rubber hits the road, so to speak. That said, um, anything that gives you more speed to like learning, you know, how the the product or the feature is going to perform is a good thing. So if you can get to the same point or you think you can get to the same point through prototypes and or even just conversations with people um, that, that gives you some signal about how your idea or feature is going to work, then then you should do that. So um, yeah, that that's kind of the way we think about it. In terms of which do we have to make a gut call on, um, which features do we have to make a gut call on what we think users will need, even though they're not asking for it? Yeah, I think that's that's sort of where you get to the 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 mystery, the mysterious dark arts sort of part of of, of building products. If you are if you're lucky enough to be a founder or a maker in a space of a product that you use and like to use and understand, you know, you have a close connection to what it means to be to be an end user. I think you have an advantage, and it's, that's a bit easier. If you're building in a space where you're sort of a little bit removed from that. You are not truly an end user, uh, you know, dealing with the same things that your users do. Um, it's a bit harder. And, and I think people who, who do that and could do that well um, are really impressive because there's a, there's a different level of kind of decision-making and, and prioritization that you, you have to, um, and learning, you, you know, you really have to, you truly have to be an observer and, and, and listen to the right things from, from your users and customers uh, to then kind of make some kind of aggregate call about what what to build. Uh, and I think that's just a little bit easier if you are kind of building something where you're an end user of, and, and we are kind of fortunate with with Teller being something that we use every day and, and, and want to use every day. So, yeah. Thank you. This was such an enriching conversation. For people who might not even be aware of the full functionalities of Teller, can you summarize what is it how can you make the videos fun? What features does it have? 
And where can people go to learn more or begin to use Tela? And I'll make sure in the episode description to write the website link. So uh, I think you did a pretty good job of explaining this at the start, but Tela at its basic is a screen and camera recorder that works inside of your browser. And we also have a uh, Chrome extension. Uh, you can record your screen only, your camera only, your screen and camera at the same time. You can also upload and present slides. Um, you can record videos in separate clips, which is where the first sort of main difference between us and other, other competitors arises. So if you have a five, 10 minute video to make, that's a long amount of recording. Uh, in most recorders, you kind of have to record five or 10 minutes in a go, and then you have to then go and maybe edit out all the stuff that, you know, mistakes and things. In Teller, we have this feature called clips. So you can record the first part of your video, maybe the intro, you can record the next part of your video, could be the demo, and then you can record the final part of your video, which could be the outro and summary. And you can break those into these three separate clips, which means that you don't have to do so much recording in one go and, and worry about getting that right. You can kind of use clips as building blocks. Uh, so that's sort of the first main difference uh, in terms of, and that also helps make it easier for you to kind of create a video that's that's fun and interesting because you can focus on uh, improving and nailing these smaller bits of content, smaller bits of videos rather than the whole thing. In terms of uh, the, the editing side of things, we keep it really simple. You can customize layouts, pick some cool backgrounds, add some other styling things and and do some basic video editing. Um, and we uh, we hope that that kind of package of, of recording flexibility and, and simple editing features means you can create interesting videos without much effort. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff that you can do in the product, but you can try the product out to, uh, to, to learn more about that. And um, you can find us at Teller, Dot TV. That's T-E-L-L-A dot TV. Uh, or you can find us on Twitter for our regular updates and, and other, other stuff, which is at TellerHQ. Thank you. I was going to end the podcast, but I'm curious, why focusing on Twitter rather than LinkedIn, for example, where more of the employees and the people who might be your ideal customers would be expected at least, or in theory, going to be? Yeah, that's a good question. We we definitely don't ignore uh, LinkedIn. We still have a presence there. Uh, I couldn't tell you what our handle for LinkedIn is. It's probably just Teller or Teller HQ. Um, so we we still post and 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 try and keep things alive there. Uh, certainly, Twitter works a bit better, I think, because there's a stronger maker and creator community, and um, that is still where we have uh, a lot of interest. So even though in larger organizations, they're probably you know, those people might be spending more time on LinkedIn. Uh, there's certainly a more lively and, and engaging, uh, engaged community of, of people building stuff who want to be able to turn that and, you know, create videos for their products and how-tos and tutorials and courses and that kind of thing. Uh, those, those people tend to be on Twitter. Thank you so much, Grant. This was an enriching conversation. I really learned a lot from you and I wish you to keep going and to build your dreams with your co-founder. You're doing a great thing. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This has been a, a really fun chat. Um, I've enjoyed the questions and, uh, and, and, and the thoughts from you as well. So thanks for having me, Aziz.